Welcome to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast, where each week our goal is to simply get a better understanding of God's Word, the Bible. We hope you will get reading this amazing book and join us on this exciting journey. And now, here's your host, Pastor Mark Miner. Well, welcome, fellow truth seekers, as today we here at the 24-Minute Bible Podcast, we being me, Mark Miner, Honored to have you alongside, but we are on a search for truth. That's what we try to do every time, that uh, every week as we uh, uh, open up this uh, podcast. And I'm just so thankful to have you along today. We're going to be looking at the book of Colossians, uh, four chapters, uh, one of the prison epistles of the Apostle Paul, written uh, perhaps to the church at Colossae. Uh, which is a city that is no longer in existence. Uh, An earthquake covered it up. We know approximately where it is, but uh, you won't have too many ruins that you could investigate at Colossae, as we did perhaps with Ephesus and some of the other letters of earlier times here in the the 24-minute podcast. But uh, today we're just going to dive into this wonderful book. And I, I hope, I'm certain that all of us have some hobbies that uh, we've started, and I certainly have had many along the path. Uh, I enjoy different things, and one of the hobbies that I had early on was uh, photography. With any hobby, when you get into it, one of the things you first have to do is just get a basic knowledge, an understanding of the concepts. So I bought myself a 35-millimeter SLR, single-lens reflex camera, different lenses because the millimeters, uh, whether you have a telephoto lens, which may be 150, 200, 300, I mean, they're large lenses all the way to uh, a much smaller wide-angle lens, then you have to understand about f-stops, and that's the aperture, how much light gets in, it controls the depth of field, and then you have to learn about the shutter speed and how that works and how that can change the background and the dynamics of the picture. Well, we're not here today to talk about cameras, but we are here to understand that the Bible, uh, to really fully be embraced, uh, we, we need to know the basics. We need to know about things like apertures and f-stops and millimeter lenses and things like that. So uh, that's what we're doing, and that's our plan today for uh, for every episode of uh, the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. My, my hope is that you will gain a, a large understanding of how this amazing, God-protected, God-provided book works so that you can do your own study You can enhance your own understanding of God, but also of this gift that he has given us, this book of love called the Bible. So uh, with that introduction, just thankful to have you along. My goal is to do everything in 24 minutes. Uh, Sometimes we run a little over. Last week it was a little shorter even, but uh, that's rare. Most of the times it's too much. I tend to talk a little bit more than I should. In fact, I took a speech class one time. I'd already been pastoring for many years, spoken uh, extensively, but I had to take a speech class as part of my college curriculum to finish up my bachelor's. I moved on into my master's, and I got a B in the speech class. And the reason was I could never hit the appropriate time frames. It was always too long. So I apologize in advance if we go a little bit too long uh, on this podcast, but the goal is 24 minutes. I give you a key phrase each week to help you to understand the book, just to get one simple idea, concept, or phrase. And for the book of Colossians, uh, it is this phrase, Christ is supreme. 
He is supreme. He rules over everything. He is the greatest, the highest high one. Uh, he is uh, the supremacy of all creation. We'll look at that a little more fully here in just a few moments. But that's the phrase. If you can think of anything, uh, one word or one phrase that explains this book, when you're talking to someone, you could say, well, Colossians is a book about Christ being supreme. And you will already have impressed them. You'll have impressed yourself. But you really, truly will be understanding at least the biggest basic concept of this book. For the background section of the podcast today, I want to just touch on something that incur that occurs in the book of Colossians, as uh, the Apostle Paul. Remember, he's in prison. Uh, I'm going to give you a picture today of a prison, a Mamertine prison. It's not the one probably that Paul was in when he wrote these prison epistles, but it is one of the prisons that he was. Uh, incarcerated in in Rome. So when you look at the Facebook side of uh, our podcast, you'll see some pictures and that will be one of them. But as Paul's writing, as the Holy Spirit is writing through Paul more specifically, <clears throat> he touches on uh, some things that have to do with science. There's always been a conflict in my lifetime and certainly in the last few hundred years, perhaps since Darwin, perhaps even before that, the Age of Enlightenment, uh, that is seeking to discourage, disparage, uh, dispel the myth, if you will, of the Bible. Because science is coming along. And my goodness, have we not heard a whole lot these last few years about, well, it's the science. Well, the science is constantly changing. It's supposed to. The Bible doesn't. And that may make it an old and uh, perhaps stodgy sort of book. But when you're right, you don't have to change. And our presupposition, my presupposition, is that God's book and God's word is always true. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will not pass away. So when it comes to science and we compare the two, I find something amazing as I've investigated truth because I'm not seeking to prove the Bible true. I'm seeking truth, and I found it in the Bible. But the Bible reveals scientific truths that were actually unknown in biblical times. They were revelations that are hinted at, that are being uh, uncovered today by science, which to me is very exciting. Uh, truths that are hinted at, for example, in the area of physics, biology, astronomy, astrodynamics, and cosmology. How about those big words? Uh, the Bible is not a science book, but when it addresses science, it is correct in every aspect that it speaks to concerning the scientific area. As I said, many seek to diminish and, and dismiss the book, and they've tried for centuries, yet it has never been proven incorrect. There are some saying things certainly that we don't know, but what we do know as we come to valid empirical truth, the Bible is right on, so to speak. So uh, we're here today to tell you uh, that this book will stand, and that's why the study of every book of the Bible, uh, as today Colossians, is important. Uh, you may say, well, I don't know if I really believe that, Mark. Well, <clears throat> whether it's at the molecular level or the cosmic level, uh, the truth of the Bible speaks to me, and I believe to, to many, if you're a Christian, it should speak to you, concerning divine revelation. Remember, we have one mind, one uh, person, God Almighty, writing through men, uh, over 40 men in three different continents over a 15 to 1600 year period of time. And yet the Bible holds together. That speaks to divine revelation. But not only that, 
Let me give you some examples of things that some of these you may have remembered from past episodes. For example, I love Isaiah 40 because it speaks to the round earth. It talks about God sitting above the circle of the earth. Uh, and so 700 BC, Isaiah wrote that describing a round earth. In fact, I have a picture of the earth from outer space on the Facebook side of uh, this podcast that you can look at. Amazing. I love space. I love the Hubble telescope and, and some of the new things that they're doing to explore the outer reaches of the universe we should want to explore because all truth is God's truth. I'm not afraid that they're going to discover something that will put the death nail in the Bible, or the final nail in the coffin, so to speak. I'm not worried about that at all because every time we explore, we discover more truths about God and confirmations of the Bible. There's uh, Psalms 139, for example, that is really very specific concerning the DNA molecule that we've really just wrestled with since 1950 or 60s. We understood about deoxyribonucleic acid, the building block of you, of humanity, truly of all life. And yet Psalms 139 talks about how we are knit together in our mother's womb. I don't have time to talk about the molecular structure of DNA, but if you look into it, you're going to find out that it's like knitting. And God speaks to that 1,000 years BC through the, the, the psalmist King David uh, but today we're uncovering that. Then there's Psalms, excuse me, Job 38 and Psalms 19 that talks about singing stars. Well, that must be metaphorical, it's allegorical. In other words, it's just a myth made up, right? Until we understood through, again, some instruments out in space that every star has a sound to it. You can listen, you can go online, hear the sound of the sun uh, with its solar flares, uh, some of the pulsars and, and the different parts of, of outer space. Anything that moves creates sound and it, and it sounds like a song. It may not be the trickiest thing on the top 40 of your AM or FM dial, but it's making a noise. The stars are singing, which is exactly what uh, the Bible says. And then, of course, Job 30 or Job 38, 39, and 40, God's monologue. If you haven't read that before, I'd encourage you to read that. Descriptions of dragons and perhaps some now extinct creatures in Job 41. Love that passage or those passages, those chapters there. And, and then there's another one. I recently read a book called The Hidden Life of Trees from Peter Wolleben. And this scientist tells us that the trees talk to one another. They communicate. There's a communication in nature and particularly a communication in the botanical world, in the, in the world of trees. Well, how about that? And yet in Psalms 96, uh, we, talk, uh, we, we read about the trees that sing and they communicate and they clap their hands in a sense. Well, again, metaphorical, allegorical, or literal. And it seems that science is just defining more and more how literal the Bible is when it speaks to some of these issues of modern science. Uh, you know, and one of my favorite ones, uh, we, we think that we know so much uh, and perhaps one of the smartest men that ever lived, uh, in, at least in our day, was a man by the name of Stephen Hawking. And one of the things that Stephen Hawking did is he wrote a history of time. Uh, he's an astrophysicist, a bio, uh, 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 astrologist, astronomer, excuse me, astronomist. And here's one of his quotes, because sometimes as Christians, the Bible, or as, as for those who believe the Bible, 
there's criticism coming at the Bible from many who mock some of the miracles and some of the uh, things that have to do with uh, time and space and transforming uh, metaphysical things. For, for example, Jesus turning the water into wine, walking on the water, for example. Uh, so many of the miracles are laughed at, and that's okay. Feel free to laugh at them. But if you're going to laugh at one sort of astounding statement in the Bible, let's laugh at all of them. And so let me read you what Mr. Hawking said concerning time travel. Going back in time, and this is from his book, A Brief History of Time. Uh, Here's what he says, I quote, Time travel used to be thought of as science fiction, but Einstein's general theory of relativity allows for the possibility, listen to this now, that we could warp space-time so much that we could go off in a rocket and return before you set out. You could go off in a rocket, you could launch in a rocket, and you could come back before you set off, according to Mr. Hawking, because of this warp of space-time. Now, I can't explain that. But if you're going to laugh at the Bible, laugh at the smartest man in many people's perception that ever lived, Stephen Hawking. You can't have it both ways. And that's really a premise for this whole uh, 24-minute Bible podcast. I'm, I'm giving you some ideas, some thoughts. Certainly my philosophy comes into it a little bit. Uh, can't help but do that. But it needs to be a level playing field. What's good for one is good for the other. And the Bible holds its own in every aspect when it comes to truth. And so Colossians, the book of Colossians, talks about uh, Jesus, or it talks, well, it talks about the supremacy, there it is, supremacy of Christ, excuse me, and it, he talks about uh, the Apostle Paul writing this book, how in him all things hold together. If you read National Geographic and some other magazines, you will find out that they talk about dark matter a substance that they really can't explain, they don't know what it is, but it holds everything together. Or you might be familiar with Louis Giglio and his, his uh, teaching on laminin, that uh, molecule, I have a picture of that on the Facebook side. Uh, laminin is a molecular structure in every cell of your body. It's what holds your body together. Now, Is that Jesus? Well, I I think probably not. I think it's a protein called laminin. But when you look at that protein, you'll notice it's in the shape of a cross. Accidental? uh, Happenstantial? Or maybe God-designed? I don't know. I'll let you define that and figure that out. But again, we see the fingerprints and the hand of God uh, all through the book, but we also see it through science and nature. And so Colossians is addressing some of that. I'll read a few verses here in just a few moments, but let's get into the key concepts of the book of Colossians. The Colossians starts, point A, if you will, Colossians starts off with why, then what? You'll notice that there is a balance in all of Paul's letters. Particularly, we see it in the book of Colossians. Also, you can see it in the book of Romans. The first eight chapters, really, are about philosophy and deep theological points. And then the second half of the book is very practical sort of ideas and things. And we certainly see that in the book of Colossians. 
Uh, it's dealing with uh, great theological points, the supremacy of Christ. Christ is supreme. That's what I'm giving you as a key phrase, and that's what we see through the first couple of chapters. Christ is supreme. There's a reason for that. We'll touch on that in a moment as well. Uh, but as we talk about the why before the what, that's why, that is how Paul uh, structures his arguments. He gives you the why, he gives you the deep things, and then the practical outworkings of what. So chapters 1 and 2 in Colossians uh, provide a deep insight into the supremacy of Christ and how Christ replaced the law with its regulations and its supreme sacrifice. Then chapters 3 and 4 deal with very practical issues. How to live a holy life, marital and family relationships, prayer, speech. So many of the letters uh, of the Apostle Paul, even the book of James, not written by the Apostle Paul, but by, written by James, is set up in this way. So God gives us some understanding as to why, and then the practical outworking, the what. There's a balance in God's word. Let's look at the second key concept here in the book of Colossians, and that's the supremacy of Christ, the supreme Christ. The church at Colossae had a problem. It's a problem that's not indicative just to them. It's, it's a problem that we have today. It's a problem that the church has had throughout the last 2,000 years of history. In fact, all of the problems that are provided for us in the 27 books of the New Testament particularly address problems or situations that are extant, that are in existence today. So uh, we can understand that, and that's why God gives us these, these lessons with real-life people, and then we transfer them to ourselves and where we're at in our situation. Well, the problem with the church at Colossae was similar to the problem of the church of Galatia. If you remember, the Galatian church had a problem with a group of people called the Judaizers. The Judaizers were Jesus, Judas, Jewish believers who said that the path to salvation was Jesus plus the Old Testament law. In Colossians, the city of Colossae, uh, they had a problem, and it wasn't so much the Judaizers as it was a mixture of their uh, pagan cults, if you will, the traditions uh, that uh, were based on so many different false ideas, blending together with their belief in Christ. They struggled, struggled theologically, theologically because uh, they had a tough time, a hard time as a church, separating those things that they'd always done, that they'd held to as special days, holidays, new moons, uh, pagan celebrations, and they wanted to combine them with this new gospel that had changed their life. Now, certainly, when Jesus comes into a culture, he changes the culture. He doesn't destroy the culture except those parts of it that are false, that are pagan. I'm thankful that he came, for example, uh, to the Mayan culture. And he changed the way they think because human sacrifice, which was a very much a part of the Mayan and the Aztec cultures in the Mesoamerica area, uh, always meant that somebody died. Well, what a freeing thought that somebody has already died and nobody else has to die. You don't have to sacrifice your, your daughters or your sons or even your war captives to some uh, pagan god because Jesus the God of the universe, who is supreme, has done it all for you. And you can see that that was a liberating 
message to the church at Colossae. Some years ago, we used to, as a, a, a church here, particularly with our youth group, uh, four or five times or so, we would go down to Guatemala. And I'd been there numerous times. And in Guatemala, we would go to uh, a place called Huehuetenango, which is more in the Indian, the indigenous, the Mayan culture. And one of the things that was going on in, in the Guatemala, and I observed it with my own eyes, was uh, a very similar to what was going on with the church at Colossae. The, the, the natives there, not so much the Hispanic again, but the Mayan Indians, uh, had a culture called, uh, with an individual called Maximon. And Maximon was a, uh, an idol, if you will, uh, a god, that they would parade through the streets. And on special days, special holidays, uh, Maximon could bless them or curse them. Sometimes they would throw gifts at him, perhaps flowers or food. In modern day culture, they would even give him cigarettes and chewing gum. It was whatever. But you, you gave gifts to this Maximon who was walking or parading, being carried through the streets. It was a pagan culture. But what I observed there in Guatemala is that they sort of, quote, Christianized it and blended it with some of the Catholic uh, influence that was going on to make it less of a pagan thing and somewhat of a, quote, Christian thing. Well, uh, and they would have saints that would be similar to uh, Maximon that, that uh, they would add to the celebration with, and somehow that's supposed to make this pagan culture okay. Now, I'm not criticizing necessarily them or anyone else, but, you know, that's not too far off from what we do in some ways, particularly when we look at Easter, a word which really isn't even in the Bible, uh, Passover is actually the best interpretation for that word in the King James Version. It was translated Easter. All the other versions will translate it Passover. But uh, Easter became a part of our, of our culture here in Western society. Uh, probably came from Ishtar, the Babylonian fertility goddess. I don't know that for a fact. My study has led me to believe that, but you may believe differently. But Ishtar was a Babylonian fertility goddess. And when you look at some of the trappings, uh, we give eggs at Easter. Uh, what is the animal that hops around and, and is sort of the focus of Easter? Well, it's the Easter bunny, one of the most fertile animals of all. So perhaps we shouldn't be too critical of the Colossians. How could they do that? Uh, for we do a lot of very similar things ourselves, even in our culture today. Either way, whatever was going on in Colossae, uh, they were combining uh, Jesus plus something. And Paul addresses that very specifically and right out of the gate, so to speak, that you cannot combine the worship of Jesus with the special days, the special moons, the holidays, and all the pagan celebrations that surrounded whatever their idol or their god, their village gods were. You can't do that. Let's look at and listen to Colossians 1, 15 through 20. The sun is the image of the invisible God, not a visible God, which they had, but the invisible God. He continues on, the firstborn uh, of over all creation. In other words, he is the supreme. The Greek word there means uh, he is the first. He is the original. He is really the only one the firstborn over all creation. Verse 16 says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, powers, rulers, or authorities. 
all things have created, been created by him, and all things were created for him. He is before all things, verse 17 says, and in him all things hold together. Whether it's the universe, whether it's your body, and all the variations in between, Christ is there, according to Paul. He's holding this, this whole universe together with his very presence. Verse 18, just to finish out, he is the head of his body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. This is New International Version. Supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him, Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. You get the gist there. Paul is saying that, that Christ is supreme and all of these other things that went before, pagan or otherwise, were of no consequence. It's all about Christ. He alone made the eternal sacrifice that provided his blood shed on the cross. He's what holds everything together, including your life. I think those are powerful words, and then certainly they resonated with the Colossians. 2,000 years ago, they resonate with us today. Let me close out with just uh, concept number C or letter C here. Uh, the practical Christ, the last two chapters of the book of Colossians, uh, deal with practical things. Basically, if you read through it, it says get rid of the bad. Uh, let your life be defined by the good that you do. Love your family, work hard, pray, do the right things. He goes on and says in, in chapter 4, uh, verses 12 and on, Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive each other. If anyone has a grievance against the other one, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And in verse 14, flip, uh, Colossians 4, 14, And above all, all these virtues put on love, which binds everything together in perfect unity. It is indeed not only Christ that holds the universe together, but it's his love that holds the church together, that holds a culture together with all these godly characteristics. The book of Colossians, the last or the next to last of Paul's prison epistles. So uh, we'll, we'll continue on next week, and uh, I hope this has helped and made some sense to you. I certainly would encourage you to read through the four chapters or listen if you have uh, something on your phone. That's what I do quite often. And just let God's Word speak to you and see if you hear some of these things that we've talked about. Certainly, in the book of Colossians, Christ is shown as being supreme. And He is supreme not only then, but even today. Hey, thank you for being a part. Look forward so much next week to meeting with you again here on uh, this episode of the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. And before I close out, remind you, check out the Facebook page. Just type in the numbers 2 and 4, 24, and then Minute Bible. And if you'll type in that phrase, you'll come up with, you'll go to the, uh, in your search engine, you'll come to uh, the Facebook side, and there's some pictures graphs, different things that will really help you to better understand the Bible, particularly this book of Colossians for today. Hey, again, thank you very much for being a part. I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and look forward to continuing this journey to understanding the Bible, 
please subscribe to our channel. And if you would be so kind, share it with your friends who might enjoy it. We would also love it if you would leave us a review. It really does help us. Join us next week for another episode as we work our way through the Bible book by book. Have a blessed week.